Hi and welcome to The Good Show. I'm Malini Agarwal, also known as Miss Malini, the founder and creative director of Miss Malini Entertainment and co-founder of Good Creator Co. And today I have an extremely important and special guest in the studio with me. He is not only a graduate of Yale and Harvard, he is the co-founder and CEO of Miss Malini Entertainment and co-founder of The Good Creator Co. And of course, the CEO of my heart, none other than Nashad Rizwanullah. Hi, Nashad. Hi, Malini. It is quite surreal to have you sitting in this chair. I've tried to get you into an interview chair for, I think, the last 14 years, maybe now. Yeah, and, and I'm quite nervous, actually. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I'm, I see you every day. We talk all the time, but... Uh... Well, let me just put it out there. You can be as honest as you like today and you won't get in trouble for it. Yeah, I don't believe that. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, I think we are so ingrained into what we do with Miss Malini and The Good Creator Co. I sometimes forget that there are Gen Alpha roaming the earth today that were not born when we started the company. So I think just... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's incredible. But when we started, there was really nothing that we have, you know, most of what we have today wasn't here. It was Facebook, it, it was Twitter, that was about it. Yeah, and I don't think like the whole concept of recording your podcasts and all of that even existed. I don't even know. If yeah, in fact, I wasn't, I mean, I, you must have told me, but I didn't remember. And <laughs> luckily, I don't look as schleppy as I normally do. So Luckily, you don't need three hours of hair and makeup to, you know, be camera friendly. That's, I'll take that as a compliment. That's good for you. But let's start a little bit like back and let's go a little back through nostalgia and, and start at the beginning um, for people who, you know, may not know the history of Miss Malini and, and how it all began. I, you know, I've always told my version. I'd love to know what your uh, memory of starting this company was? Oh, well, I mean, I remember that uh, what I had planned to do when I moved to India and what actually ended up happening was completely different. I mean, in some ways similar. Uh -huh. So, you know, I, I grew up in many different countries because of my dad's job. Then I was in the U.S. for college. Uh, then I worked in the U.S. for a couple of years. And uh, in that process of working there was an emerging markets investments fund. So I was studying a lot of great success stories from emerging markets, talking to a lot of leaders of those companies. And I remember a particular conversation I had with, um, I was talking to a lot of alumni as well for advice. And I met this, I spoke to this guy, he was a, an American guy who had moved to China, you know, very early on. Mm -hmm. And he kind of rode that whole wave of the growth there and he became a China expert. And, wow. and I thought, you know, I want to be that guy. Right. And I thought what I'll do is I'll move to India, I'll learn about the business landscape here. I'll meet some smart IIT kids and I'll start some kind of a technology company and, and <laughs> change the world. And instead, here I am. Uh, we started a gossip blog, not really a gossip blog, but a Bollywood entertainment site. Yeah. And um, now I'm recording a podcast with you. But I think a lot of people don't even know you're not from you're not from India. You know, your your origins are from Bangladesh. In fact, even though you were born in London, you, you just tell us a little bit about that because that's what makes it even more interesting that you ended up working at a Bollywood entertainment site. Yeah, so family's from Bangladesh, mm -hmm. uh, but because my dad was working abroad, I was born in London, and then we lived in uh, Africa, the Europe, uh, Europe, the Middle East, North America. And uh, in, during that time, I'd always go back home to Dhaka to see family during the summers. And I guess I always had a bit of a chip on my shoulder about being, you know, who was I, what was my identity. Right. Um, and so I wanted to, part of the decision to come here was to kind of get closer to my roots. I, I didn't really see too many opportunities for what I was interested in in Bangladesh. So Bombay was the next thing. And you know, even back then, this is 2005, you know, Bombay's always had cachet. You know, it's right. uh, even for someone who had never been there except transiting through the airport, which wasn't much of a calling card <laughs> at that time. Um, but it just, you know, it had that energy from afar that I was kind of drawn to. And uh, here I am. So yes, I I'm kind of... You know, by now I've been here 15 years, so I'm very comfortable here. But yeah, I definitely um, have, you know, my 
the part of me that is still kind of very much connected to Bangladesh and, yeah. and the other countries I've lived in. But what you said about Bombay is so true. I feel the same thing when I landed here. It was the neon lights and the rain and the black and yellow cab. And there's something about it. There's a buzz, mm. energy. There's a lot of hustle. Absolutely. And you meet such interesting people. And, you know, of course, you know, you and I met. And, of course, the rest is history. But I remember before we, it's not like you just landed here and then we, you know, started the blog together. You were working at Nomura. You were working in finance. And there was a point when I, I would come home from Fashion Week at 5 a.m. and you'd be putting on your tie to get up and get to the office at you know 6 a.m. and and I don't know I we've never really talked about this but I was always really um, I was I was always a bit insecure about what I was doing with the blog and I never thought I would do it professionally and it was you and Mike Melly who's our other co-founder of course who really convinced me that this could be a real business and you know for all the Marwaris listening you'll understand this idea of starting your own business as much as you love it you also you never give up your day job right you have to have that paycheck so what gave you the confidence at a time like back in 2008 or 9 um, when you know being a content creator influencer as an industry didn't exist what made you feel like this is something that would work as a business that you you, you want to leave like a high paying job in finance to do well you know for some context you know you started the blog when i was away from business school yeah um, this is around the time when we were seeing individual personality driven voices doing well in the us like perez hilton or just jared mm -hmm. And so I knew, you know, so like many good businesses, I had an example to follow. Um, but I also really have to say it, it was you. It was your energy. Uh, it was your kind of passion for this. I remember, you know, sure, it, it sucked to be going to the office <laughs> at 5 a.m. while you were coming home. But it's also important to know that that was not, you know, you just partying. That was hard work. You would often come home and you would start blogging right away. And, yeah. and so I could see it really meant something to you. And I could see that you had a voice. You were in radio at the time as well. And I think the core kind of principle really was... For a personality brand to succeed in the digital medium, it's got to be authentic. It's got to be able to connect with audiences. And it's got to carry through, right? Mm. So you could sound amazing and charismatic in person, but it may not carry through mm. uh, on a digital medium, on radio, on television. But for you, it was seamless. And so I think all of those pieces together uh, really came, uh, gave us the confidence. Um, and also, like I said, I had the entrepreneurial bug. I came to India with that purpose, so I still had that you know, very much in mind of doing something independently. And then lastly, I would say when we started getting, you know, attention from brands, right. um, which is when, you know, when Mike was, was needed because you couldn't keep up with you know, content plus brand discussions. That's when we, you know, I felt and Mike felt that there was definitely a potential here. And, and I think, you know, you can also chalk it up to kind of youthful <laughs> energy and, and the ability to take risks. Naivete. Yeah, you know, as they say, yeah. you create your own luck in, in yeah. some ways. And I think um, we were very fortunate that we had that in us to, to do that. But you know, you know it, it is kind of let me just say ballsy to decide to join an industry and and launch a business in maybe you know a genre that's not your bread and butter or that you're aware of and I'm sure there's a lot of budding entrepreneurs who are listening in who are wondering like how much do I need to know about an industry before I start a business in it so for your example as someone who joined like a Bollywood entertainment blog which is not something that's probably your area of expertise what would you say to someone who wants to start a business and say something that they may not know that much about can they still do it or what what should you keep in mind yeah absolutely I think the answer is yes you can uh, but of course I think it's uh, you know a well-worn adage that you need a right team you, yeah. you need the, the good a team with you to do that so in my case people often ask me what is your role or what does a CEO do yeah, what do you do not <laughs> yes. uh, you know <laughs> other than taking your pictures for Instagram uh, <laughs> yeah. you know there's yeah. 
I think the, the most important role the CEO plays is really kind of pulling the entire organization together. So, mm. you know, th there's this vision of a CEO as the general who's leading the charge into right. battle, which is part of the job sometimes. But I think uh, a bigger part that doesn't get covered as much is really what happens in the war room before the battle, right? And, and there, I think it's very important to listen. Um, you are a content expert. Mike is a sales expert. We have other people who are experts in their field. Um, but the thing is, you guys may not have insight into what the other person that you depend on, you know, what are their priorities and what are their objectives. So as a, as a CEO, I think it's important to hear all the sides and then find that middle path. Sometimes you have to, you know, break some eggs and <laughs> do the right thing, but that's really what it is. <clears throat> so in my case, it didn't matter that I wasn't, you know, as much of a Bollywood fanatic as you were because you had that covered. Mm. Uh, it didn't matter that I was, you know, pounding the pavement doing sales because, you know, Mike had that covered. So for me, it was kind of filling in all the other gaps and making sure that you guys had the resources to um, be successful. And also, sometimes it's, you know, a lot of diplomacy and, and kind of mediation. So making sure I that... I think you literally kept us from all from killing each other at so yeah, many stages I, uh, in life. I and think. that's an inherent tension in content yeah. business, right? The creative yeah. needs versus the business needs. Yeah. Uh, but the good news is there is a middle ground if, again, you're just, you know, you're careful enough to listen and then make some some educated decisions you know I have such a clear memory of there were you know there were times when I just started the blog and I know someone had said hey I'll buy a certain percentage I didn't know anything about this at the time and said okay and then I will pay you a certain amount and I remember that me you and Mike sat in our living room um, and you guys convinced me to not sell to that small amount at that point for me that was a big amount I was like okay wow let me just do this I can't believe someone's gonna pay me to blog about my life um, and then you guys were like no and I remember sitting with you and saying I will do this if you guys will do this with me. And I have, you know, I have to stress that I would never have been able to do this by myself or build this, you know, empire as we call it. Uh, but what made, made you stick around and do this? Because, you know, everyone sees the rosy glam side. It hasn't always been easy. So have you ever had moments where you're like, oh, I just can't do this anymore. I want to do something else. And, and how do you stay the course? Yeah, well, I think to start, we were lucky that we had a very kind of exciting new age type of business to get into, right? And like I said, we had an example from the U.S. to look at. So uh, it was that initial excitement, the thrill of being an entrepreneur. Mm. Uh, then it becomes about, you know, your early achievements and, and always kind of, you know, being hungry for the next achievement. Mm. So I think, you know, in the early days, it's all about that energy, adrenaline, passion that drives it. Then as you get to kind of a bit more of a mature stage, it's the ability to actually make a difference in your business or your industry. Um, I think for us, it was all the kind of success we had. You know, over time, it wasn't all overnight, but whether it was with brands, whether it was with audiences, or even for us, right? You know, we were also kind of able to lead an exciting life uh, while doing it. So we, it all kind of came together for us. Yeah. Yes, there have been ups and downs, and I think that's a very important you know, understanding you have to have if you're going to go into entrepreneurship is that you know there are going to be days where you're going to question yourself yeah uh, there's gonna be days when you're, you're going to think that this was a mistake you know why are we doing this um, but as long as the you know what is driving you is a, is a fundamental passion that is based on you know solid fundamentals um, I think you know 
those are the things that kind of carry you through and have in our case. Do you remember, I remember you told me something about passion. Do you remember this article you yes. sent me once? Yes. And I would love for you to tell everyone because it's a mistake we so often make saying, follow your passion, follow your passion. And you sent me an article that blew my mind. Do you remember which one? Yes, I, I don't remember the exact yeah. you know, publication, but I very much yeah. remember the, the kind of takeaway. Yeah. And it, it's not so much that you shouldn't follow your passion. I mean, that's good advice. It's more about how do you define passion and being aware of what it means to follow your passion. So I think uh, what the article says and what I, what I agree with is that people often uh, face, you know, while doing something they're passionate about, will face a difficult time or will right. face a roadblock mm -hmm. and it becomes stressful and difficult. And that tells them, you know, maybe this is not my passion. Maybe I'm not passionate about this, which is why I'm having a tough time. Uh, and they abandon it. Whereas there are, the way to really look at it is, you know, if it is your passion, your passion helps you get through those difficult times. Um, and there will be better times, you know, on the other side. So it's really about kind of balancing the desire to feel like passion is always this positive, energetic, amazing feeling. Yeah. With understanding that passion takes hard work. It takes commitment, dedication. And like anything else in life, you're going to have your ups and downs. Uh, it's just a matter of really how committed you are to it and having faith that you can get through it. Yeah, and without the bitter, the sweet isn't as sweet. But Absolutely. I'm still, I always remember this and I always correct myself about saying have passion, have drive. It's like, no, it's okay. Sometimes you're not going to feel that passionate about it, yeah. but that doesn't mean that it isn't something that you should pursue. But, you know, I, I think I'm going to take this opportunity to ask you a couple of things about our journey and maybe, you know, what, if anything, we should have done differently. You've sort of watched, you know, more subjectively than I have been able to my journey in a sense. And there's so many aspiring content creators, 46 million now out there from where we began. What what have you seen, maybe your key takeaways from as a content creator, someone trying to build a personality led brand that are your learnings that maybe I should have done differently or could have, you know, done better or smarter um, that would maybe help someone who's listening today? So, you know, that's a great question. And I think the first thing I want to say, which is important, especially in today's context, is that you don't necessarily have to build a company like we did yeah. with your personal brand, right? Um, your personal brand can very much be, you know, a more narrow focus. Just be an influencer and focus on that. Whatever that might, you know, wherever that might take you and, and whatever might keep you kind of happy and engaged. For us, we always had the vision of building something yeah. a bit larger than you, uh, a brand that would kind of stand the test of time. Um, so. I'm going to answer the question from that perspective. Sure. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that we were always very conscious of is though we were a media company and obviously audiences is kind of how everyone measures you, we also knew that to be taken seriously, we had to build a brand. And what do I mean by that? I mean a brand that people would immediately recognize, even if they didn't know what it was about, that they had heard of. Because then, uh, you know, it's familiar and if people kind of know of you through osmosis, then you know you've kind of reached a certain place yeah. in, uh, in our case, in, in pop culture, in entertainment. So one was with the brand. Now, how do you do that? Is a, a big question. So Sometimes I wonder how we did it. I know, <laughs> uh, and, and I think this is an important thing to, <laughs> yeah. to, stay, to say here. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of business leaders. I know a lot of them, uh, you know, startup founders and stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, everybody gives a very polished answer that they always had this vision and they always knew <laughs> yeah. what they were doing. And I think that's a lot of BS. Yeah. Uh, sure, you know, you have to know what you're going for and how you're going to get there. You have to have a plan. But a lot of it is you learn on the way. And so for us, I think, so the few things I can think of that really helped us out was number one, always remembering that um, 
though we were building a business, sometimes you make decisions that are more for the brand side of things than it is for, let's say, the, the revenue you're generating from it, yep. for the relationships you're building. Um, so having kind of a clear understanding of your brand and then making sure you're spreading it you know, smartly was, was really what to do. So for today's creators, I don't know how you translate that necessarily, but <laughs> I think it's really know who you are, know what you stand for. Um, you're going to face situations where you might be asked or be tempted to compromise that. Um, I would say nine out of ten times it's a good idea to hold strong to what you are doing. Sometimes it's a good constructive feedback and you might learn to adapt from that. We certainly have. We've made our mistakes. But overall, I think it's just being true to who you really are. And, so and so let's vision. be honest. What is the biggest mistake we made? Oh, man, there are so many mistakes. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we've been around for, what, 14, 10, 15, 14 yeah, years, 14 more years. than that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we've inevitably made many mistakes. I think maybe some of the biggest mistakes or a category would be uh, getting too emotionally invested sometimes yeah, in parts of, of what you do. Guilty. You know, mm -hmm. There's a part of your brain and your heart that knows that you, know, you should be going in one direction or making a certain decision. Mm -hmm. But you know, when it's your baby, when it's your thing, it's hard to sometimes you know, make that call. And there have been times when we've dragged out those decisions and, you know, sure enough, once it was finally made, it changed everything for us. So I would say don't be shy to think hard about a tough decision. doesn't mean you have to make it, but at least consider it. Absolutely. I think that one of the things that I've always um, admired about you and noticed is that you always have said terms and um, mentioned things that end up becoming mainstream a couple of years later, right? So this whole idea of content to commerce or even what we're going towards for the future, I'll always be like, yes, the future is virtual reality, but you would have a much more um, sort of micro, macro, both, both views of these things. So, you know, people always feel that, okay, you have to be of that generation to relate to it. And, and we have seen that the Mismalini brand has survived, right? There's obviously people who grew up with us who now have babies who started reading Mismalini in their 90s or 20s or whatever. So what do you think has been um, our ability, and, and, and especially for people listening, you know, who I know, and I have these conversations with so many people, we talk about shelf life and entertainment, but even every career, you know, people feel like they have a shelf life. So how do we, or how did we, and how do we continue to stay relevant and evolve so that we don't become redundant? Yeah, I think as an entrepreneur, one of the most important things you can do is to always be thinking about moving forward. Yeah. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, not just growing within what you have today, but thinking about where you need to grow next that you may not be in at the moment. Now, that's not to say that you don't, you know, take time to build what you're working on at this time, in, you know, in this moment. Uh, because if you move too fast and you don't, you know, do the, the previous step well, it can also be detrimental. But it's about always never being satisfied with, okay, you know, we've reached this goal, now we can rest on our laurels. Uh, one thing we always did well, both consciously and you know, subconsciously, was always looking for that next challenge, that next kind of frontier. In your case, for example, right, you were always, I remember, um, playing with new apps or <laughs> new formats, and we would always, you know, the boring business guys would always be like, hey, Mani, should you really be spending time on this non-existent thing, you know, which one day becomes Instagram or you know, whatever it is. Uh, from the business side of thing, you know, Mike has always kind of been looking for that next place that we can, yeah. you know, sell an idea or a, or a service. And in my, you know, for me, it was also always about like, you know, like I said, supporting you guys in that direction and then making sure that we never got complacent with our success. Yeah. And I think it sounds simple. It's a lot harder to do because 
you know, often you're, you've got a lot on your plate already, now you want to add one more thing. And like I said, sometimes it's not a good idea to add stuff, but you need to always keep an open mind and kind of evolve with the times. I, I remember all the advice people always told us, only focus on one thing. And we always did 10 things at the same time. But you know, we were like, no, we don't know how to pick. They're all great things. But let's let's move forward. Like let's let's race forward a decade. We did the Miss Malini Entertainment. You know, we built out the brand, built out every vertical from podcasting to television shows, and you know, we're brand like platform agnostic. And then we got acquired. And and I think that you probably articulate this better than I do. So can you just walk us through what happened to the Miss Malini brand, where we are now, and what's next? Yeah, sure. And I and I think this ties into the last question, right? For us constantly looking to move forward and, and what's the next thing for us, um, this was really kind of the, the, the natural way forward. So I think at Mismani we had scaled one mountain and reached the top. And uh, this acquisition, which was by the Good Glen Group, gave us another the next mountain to kind of scale. Uh, but it also came with more resources, uh, the synergies of the group. Um, you know, we were never shy about collaboration, right? Um, Maybe in the early days, entrepreneurship is a lonely or, you know, it's it's about your team. But we always were looking for partners to help us grow. And, and in Darpan from the Good Glam Group, which was, you know, earlier My Glam, uh, just My Glam, I should say, uh, we were always in discussions with him from that time about doing stuff together. Um, he was on the commerce side. We were in the content side. We both kind of saw a potential fit. But maybe back then it wasn't clear how that would work. Mm-hmm. And then, by the, you know, so we always kept in discussions. And then by the time... Um, it became a real possibility. We had developed that comfort with each other and that shared vision. And I think that's very important to understand that um, your partners are aligned to what you have. And in our case, the other important thing is we kind of had very complementary businesses. So like I said, you know, they were in, in um, commerce looking to integrate content and creators into their business. We were in content creators looking to kind of expand what we can do with that influence and that um, you know, with that business we had built. So yeah, that's, uh, that's really kind of how it came together. So today, um, you know, what's very important for us is, um, and this is another, I think, important kind of lesson I've learned, mm-hmm. is when you are in a, in a, in a leadership position, um, it's also your responsibility in some way, but it's also one of your, uh, you know, core objectives to keep pushing your industry forward so you as a company have somewhere to go. Yeah. Right? So for us, it was also about how do we take what we've done to the next level so we have our next challenge. Right. And in our case, and today what we're focusing on is, is really the creator economy. So around the time we got acquired, it was mostly about, you know, influencer marketing was mostly about brands and deals. And again, that was something we got into very early uh, as one of the very first players doing that. After we'd done it with you, we started working with other influencers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now today what we're focusing on is how do we nurture and grow the creator economy as a whole? Because if there's more to do for all creators, there's more to do for all of us. And so Good Creator Co. now is very much focused on the creator uh, economy in the sense of community building. So a lot of the GCC events that we're doing um, really are just about helping creators connect, uh, getting inspired by each other, growing you know, the network. Because today I think creators still do live on islands. I mean, you do see some great collaboration happening. But... How do we now turn this into uh, a cohesive, respected, and uh, long-term kind of a industry? And so that's where our efforts are now. Of course, the Miss Mani media business still exists, and that's a core part of what we do as well. Uh, but my focus, your focus, um, is now very much looking at the next 
wave of creators and, and how we can support that. Absolutely, and I'm quite excited about the fact that we're bringing all of our skill sets from our Miss Malini entertainment years of experience here. Like for instance, even doing this podcast where we try to bring creators together and people from the industry together. So they get both sides of the coin because very often influencers only get to see you know, hear from other influencers, but I think they also need to hear from brands. And I think brands very much need to hear from influencers as well. And I think one of the things that you've always very categorically been clear about is telling brands, let influencers do their thing, right? Yeah. So for all the brands and agencies that are listening, can you subjectively give them some feedback from the creator side? Yeah, you know, that's another great question. You know, one of the core principles we had as a content company from the beginning uh, and you ask any of our team members and they'll know this, uh, is we've always in, always you know, told ourselves, think about the people behind the numbers, mm. right? Um, that page view is generated by a person. And if you only kind of lead your business guided by those numbers, you forget the person behind the numbers, and especially in something as personal as content. Uh, you, you know, that's a mistake. So I think the, you know, applying that same lesson to brands now who are looking to work with creators I think the brands who do it well are the ones that truly understand that the creator is a person, that they have their uh, own desires and their own style, style of doing yeah. things, and that's mm -hmm. what gives them their audience. And so I think being respectful of that helps the brand then interface with that creator in a much more positive fashion. And you know, in our example, I, I can't even count the number of times where because we've let a creator do their thing, uh, they've gone above and beyond, you know, what was required of them for yeah. that particular campaign. Uh, still to this day, there are people that, you know, will post things that they normally might charge for because they have that trust with us at GCC, with you as Miss Malini, to know that at the end of the day, you understand them, you have their best intentions at heart. So what I would say is really kind of don't look at it just as another marketing channel and the number in terms of engagement and reach. Those are obviously important you know, to one aspect of it. But think about who is the person that's delivering those numbers to you? Uh, how do they do it when it's not for you? Uh, and find that balance between your requirements and their requirements. And I promise you that if you make a creator feel respected, um, they will in turn give you that respect back. And I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, learnings we've had. And there you've heard it from the CEO and not just from me. So let that be a lesson to both of us. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, have to, I have to get personal now and ask you, what is it like working with your wife? I'm not going to tell her. It's fine. Oh, man, she's the worst. <laughs> uh, no, just joking. So, you know, this is an interesting question uh, again. And, and often I think, you know, the immediate assumption is, and the immediate advice you're always given is don't work with your family or mm. your friends, mm. uh, obviously your wife. And that's, it's not to say that there aren't, you know, pitfalls and you have to be careful. Of but we often don't focus on the positives, right? So in our case, um, because we are obviously so close on a personal level, it also helps us in our work life. So for example, knowing what drives you as a person, knowing how your moods, you know, <laughs> yes. can swing depending on <laughs> what's happening yeah. and vice versa, not just you know, yeah. one way, but... That in turn helps you know, okay, how do I coax the best out of this person in a professional setting? Um, I think um, the other big part of this is also there's that trust. You know, trust is yeah. so important, especially when you're a small team. So, for example, you and I, as far as I know, <laughs> will never have you know, office politics or corporate yeah, politics because sure. your success is my success. Although ironically and funnily enough, somebody did try to poach you while I went to the bathroom during a business meeting. 
Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if you had done that. Please don't try to poach the uh, husband CEO uh, of a founder. Yeah. So I think the you know the important thing here for us is that being married has a lot of benefits as well as you know we need to we need to draw lines. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's time to hey unwind, unplug. Look, this is our personal time, not professional time, which is hard to do sometimes. I find it impossible to do. Yeah. Uh, but I do feel that there's a, there's a, some value in the shared misery of when you're stressed about like fundraising. So there's that shared euphoria as well when the business is doing so well. So you feel so excited together. And I think that really makes you uh, feel like really connected about things. So, yeah, and, yeah. And that's the other part of it is it really allows us to be a lot more in sync than you might be with someone who's just your colleague. You know, your holidays are at the same time. You understand if someone's working late, why they're working late. Um, you're able to kind of match your schedule. So there's a lot of positives that come out of it. And mm-hmm. I think uh, it's really, to us, been a big advantage. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad you uh, recognize that, Mani, that uh, sometimes I am right about this. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's a fairly simple answer. I think part of it is natural inclination, right? You're a much more outgoing, extroverted person. I'm a bit more introverted and private in my life. So I don't feel the need or I don't like having, you know, my whole life exposed in the same way that a creator might, you know, thrive on. Um, and that's totally fine, right? That's that's kind of what, what drives you. And mm-hmm. um, But I think a part of it is also a conscious decision for me. And I think that's the benefit that I have from being a step removed, right? So sure. content, social media is one part of what, you know, my portfolio is. For you, it's really kind of what you go into deep, right? So having that distance allows me to kind of look at things maybe a bit more critically sometimes which is another, I think, important leadership lesson I've learned is uh, sometimes you need to step away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can't do it, sometimes you need someone to help do that for you and, and to take that feedback. So, you know, I think the impact of social media on people's mental health and well-being is now fairly well documented. Um, so I've always tried to make sure that we're conscious of that balance. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I will also say that sometimes I've been wrong about this, right? Like sometimes the, the fact that you went so deep into something <laughs> is the reason you developed that expertise and uh, sure. that, that kind of knowledge. And so, you know, it's, uh, I don't think there's any right or wrong way. I think we can all agree that social media needs to be approached, you know, with, with an open, you know, conscious mind of what it can do. And, mm-hmm. and we're seeing the impacts that sometimes can have in a negative way. But, you know, I also don't think that just because someone is really into it, it means that there's necessarily something fundamentally wrong, wrong yeah, with them. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also I think it's really sweet that you recognize how I need to play some kind of food time management game while I watch TV and I don't think I'm the only one. I don't know why this is something that relaxes me. I know that sounds really strange. Yeah, well, you know, but this is also something I think that is important to keep an eye on, right? Yeah. And, and, and sure, in Somali for those of you who you know don't know uh, is never doing one thing at a time. Uh, she's and, and that includes in her recreational time. So TV, <laughs> game on the phone, you know, voice notes coming on WhatsApp. She's doing it all together. And I think this has grown as social media and, and sure. the opportunities to kind of scroll through stories and now reels and, you know, different formats has also grown. I think back when there was Facebook and Twitter, you know, it was, you, less, it was yeah. a little less. But again, I think, you know, that's your superpower and, and that's what uh, arguably has made you so successful at what you do. And before I let you go, I have to ask you the all-important question for all influencers who want to go from personality to brand to business. How do you get people to give you money to believe in your vision and raise that funding? Because I have always found that 
the hardest part of the business. I can do all the creative stuff, but I think that that's the one thing people really struggle with. How do you raise money? What do you have to say? What should you do? How do I, how do I get someone to give me money to do what I love? Well, look, there's no silver bullet here, unfortunately. Yeah. But there's, you know, there are a few principles that I think we, we all can agree on, which is you have to have a clear vision, you have to have a good plan in place, and you have to have a good team. Um, I think then sometimes what differentiates people who get the money and, or are able to kind of grow you know, from there is you've got to be able to sell that vision, you've got to be able to tell that story. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of cases where people have a good business, but they just aren't able to communicate it. I think we've had that trouble sometimes sure, as we were trying to yeah. figure out what we were doing. Um, so it's tough, and I think at the end of the day, you need to, like I said, always kind of think of where are you trying to go, why are you trying to raise this money, and what is it supposed to help you achieve, um, and not just do it because it's some kind of validation that I raised X million dollars, right? Because yeah. I think one part that people also don't always think about is once you've raised the money, that raises all kinds of new challenges and responsibilities and um you know, that's not the end, that's just the beginning of your journey. Mm -hmm. So I think you should also be aware that even people who seem to be able to raise money at the drop of a hat also hear rejections and no's, you know, all the time. And there's a lot of famous examples of, you know, very successful businesses that heard 36 no's before the 37th <laughs> yeah. was a yes, and now yeah. they're, you know, some massive conglomerate. So, yeah. you know, stick it, you know, stick with it and good luck. You know, they always call me like the OG influencer and you're the OG business mind behind a personality-led brand. So what is your uh, parting piece of advice, um, wishes for the next generation who do this, or any thoughts that you want to leave us with? Well, I don't think the next generation needs my help, but <laughs> I think if there's one kind of parting thought I would like to you know leave is, you know, we've all just been through a fairly tumultuous time, whether it's through mm -hmm. COVID, whether it's with the market disruptions, whether it's the war, inflation, all these things. And I think now in particular, it's important to remind people that, uh, and in my experience, what I've seen is these are all typically cyclical things. Um, we happen to be now in a, in a bit more of a correction phase, but it's important to remember that the correction always leads to you know, growth again and to better days ahead. So if I can leave people with any thought, it's, you know, no matter what you're going through, no matter what part of the company you are in, a founder, an executive, a new employee, you know, it's, times are probably stressful, but it's important to know that things will get better and you've just got to stick with it and um, have faith. And have the right team on your side. And have Thank the right you. team. Thank you, team. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you. We could do this for hours, and I'm sure we go, go home and dissect this as well. But thank you so much for listening to The Good Show. More episodes coming your way for influencers, for the influencer ecosystem, for brands, for everyone. You name it. If it has to do with influencers, you will find it on the show. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Catch you next week. <laughs>